Hello, and welcome to another White Horse Media presentation. White Horse Media presents Amazing Discoveries with international speaker and best-selling author Steve Wolberg. Our goal is to continue to produce life-changing and biblically-based presentations. We hope you enjoy this series. At the end of this CD, you'll receive more information on this ministry and how you can obtain some additional resources. Today's topic is titled, Racing Toward the Mark. Now, here's Steve. Welcome here, everyone. Thank you for coming to night number one of our amazing Discoveries Bible Prophecy Seminar. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13. We'll be reading from verse 16 and verse 17 in just a few moments. Now, what do you think would be a good thing for us to do on opening night of a Bible Prophecy Seminar? Pray, yes, I believe that very strongly. So why don't we bow our heads together, and as a group, let's lift up our hearts and pray to our, our Father in Heaven. Dear Father, dear God, thank you so much for so many people who have come out tonight for this opening night of our seminar here in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. And we pray for the blessing of the Lord upon us. Please help us. Please teach us from the Bible. Please help me as I lead out from night to night Help me to teach your word faithfully and accurately, and help me to point people to Jesus Christ. Bless us all, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. The title of tonight's meeting, opening night's subject, much anticipated, is called Racing Toward the Mark. Our opening text is Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. Let's all take a look at it together. These are the words of God. The Bible says, and he causes how many people? He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had what? That had the mark, that's right, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, these are awesome words, are they not? These are very solemn words found in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Now, as we read these words, as we've just read, we're reading them today, but I think it's significant for us to realize that these words were actually written a long, long time ago. We have actually just read the words of a very ancient, old prophecy. Approximately 1900 years ago, these words were first written down. They were written by a man named John. He was an old man. He was living on an island. He was actually a prisoner on, we might refer to it as like an Alcatraz island off the coast of, of southern Greece. The island is called Patmos, and it's there today. My sister was on that island some time ago. John was a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ. He was a prophet. He was an apostle. He was the last living apostle. All the others had been put to death in various ways, but John was still alive. And in the year, according to Bible scholars, 96 AD, Jesus Christ revealed himself to John and gave him the book of Revelation. When John wrote this book and wrote this prophecy about the mark of the beast, he wrote this during a time when there was no such thing as television, radio, satellite, cell phones, anything like this. There was nothing like that, nothing like what we are seeing now going on back then a long, long time ago. For the last 1900 years, it has seemed to many people, or most people who have studied this prophecy, it has seemed that the fulfillment of these words of John, this final prophecy about the mark of the beast, it has seemed that this has been almost impossible. But in the last few years, times have definitely changed, have they not? In the 20th century, we've seen significant changes that have taken place and it is a fact that right now around the country and around the world there are Christians from just about all Bible believing denominations who are sensing that we are getting closer and closer to the time when this great prophecy revealed in the book of Revelation is ultimately going to be fulfilled. Now let me show you a picture here of just one book of many books on this and other Bible prophetic subjects this is a book called The Edge of Time. It was written by Peter and Patty Lalande. They are sincere Bible-believing Christians. They study Bible prophecy. They have founded a national television program called This Week in Bible Prophecy. And in this particular book, like many other books written by sincere Christians these days, this particular book focuses, in fact, it has a whole chapter focused on the subject of the mark of the beast. It's chapter 16 of this book, and it's called The Mark. 
the mark of the beast. In this chapter, they give their reasons why they believe that we are getting closer and closer as a human race to the time when this tremendous prophecy will ultimately be fulfilled. It is a fact that not just the Lalandes, but Christians, as I mentioned, all over the country are starting to wonder more and more whether it is possible that this new millennium that we are now entering could possibly be the predicted time when this great prophecy in the book of Revelation will ultimately be fulfilled. When the devil pulls his final strings, his strings of deception, and tries to dupe the whole world with this final prophecy. Now before I give you my reasons from the Bible why I do believe that we are living very, very close to the final time when this mark will be enforced. I want to just tell you a little bit briefly about the Bible itself and about the book of Revelation, this book that we are reading and the book that you're holding in your hand right now. The Bible is a very significant book. I don't know, I, there's most of you out there that I've never met before and I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Bible itself, but most people don't know this. I think it's significant to realize that the Bible itself is the world's best-selling book. Did you know that? There are literally billions of copies of the Bible that are in existence right now. There is no other book down throughout all of human history that has, has had as many copies printed as the Bible. In fact, the Bible's the only book on the moon tonight. There, Apollo 14 placed a certain portion of the Bible which had been translated into 16 languages on the moon. So we're reading a book that's the best-selling book, and it's also the only book on the moon. Very significant book that we have in our hands. It's my conviction that this book is God's book. I was working out of the health club the other day and I saw somebody with a t-shirt that impressed me. And their t-shirt said, I saw it from the back and it said, one word from God can change your life forever. And I thought, that's a good, that's a good line. I'm going to use that in my seminars. One word from God can change your life forever. This book is God's book. It is an inspired book. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 1. If you just back up a few chapters to Revelation chapter 1 and let's look at the first verse, Revelation chapter 1, the very first verse. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. There are 66 books composing the Bible, and this is the grand finale, the grand conclusion. Revelation chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. The first verse says, this is the revelation of who? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Right, this is very significant. The book of Revelation, according to this sentence, is a revelation of Jesus. It comes from Jesus, it reveals Jesus, it teaches truth about Jesus, and ultimately it reveals the plans that Jesus reveals about his enemies on a worldwide scale who are against him. There's a lot of light, a lot of information for us in this book. Now if you go down to verse 3, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it tells us about the book of Revelation itself. Now notice that first sentence. Revelation 1 verse 3. The Bible says, blessed is he that does what? He that reads. Right. Now that's very significant. Blessed is he that reads. Now maybe you've heard this before. I've heard this before. Some, sometimes even pastors will tell people, don't read the book of Revelation. You can read other books in the Bible, but don't read that book. Now, the reason why they say that sometimes, they say Revelation's too hard to understand. They say it's too scary. You won't be able to sleep at night. Don't read that book. Have you ever heard that? Now, when I hear that, my mind goes to this text. I think to myself, you know, that's not a good idea. And the reason is because the Bible tells us right there, the scripture says, blessed is he that reads. And so if we read this book, God will bless us. That's what it says. In fact, of the 66 books of the Bible, there's only one book, which is the last book, that starts out this way and says, you are blessed if you read this book. And that's the book of Revelation. Let's keep reading it. Verse 3 says, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is what? for the time is at hand. So the Bible says right here, Revelation 1, 3, it says we're blessed from God if we read it, 
if we hear it, if we keep it, and the reason is because the time, the time is coming closer and closer and closer. Now, when the Bible talks about the time, it's referring to the time when the final prophecies, especially as they're recorded in the book of Revelation, will ultimately be fulfilled. And it's my conviction that we need to know what time it is. Now, I'm not talking about what time it is in our watches or what you know, time it is according to the clock on the wall, but I'm talking about what time it is in the light of world history. What time is it in the light of world history? That's what we want to find out tonight. I believe very strongly that what time it is, is we're getting closer and closer to the final time when the predicted event of the mark of the beast will ultimately be enforced. Now I'm going to give you two reasons tonight why I believe this very strongly, that we are getting very close to the final time when this prophecy will be fulfilled. Let's go back to chapter 13, Revelation 13, let's look at the 16th verse. Revelation chapter 13, let's look at the 16th verse. I'm going to give you two reasons tonight, and I'm going to give you ten more tomorrow night why we're getting closer and closer to the time when this final prophecy will be fulfilled. 1316, the Bible says, and he causes, he causes how many people? Notice that word in your Bibles. The Bible says, he causes all, A-L-L, -L, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads. Now, just notice that. When the Bible says, he causes all, this implies, this little phrase here, very definitely implies that there will come a time period in Earth's history when there will be a global system of communication in place when it will be very easy to communicate around the world. It has to be that way in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled, in order for the mark to be enforced upon all, all over the world, whether it's Africa, America, Australia, Russia, New Zealand, Canada, Europe, there has to be a global system of communication in place in order for this mark to be systematically enforced upon everyone. And we're in that time, aren't we? We're in that time unlike any other time, any other time in human history. Because of computers and cables and the internet and satellite systems, we are now living in a time when global communication is a definite reality. And because of this fact, I think it's very clear that we are living in a time right before the fulfillment of the prophecy about the mark of the beast. We are racing as a planet toward the time when this prophecy will be fulfilled. Now that's reason number one, global communication is now in place. Second reason, if you go down to verse 17, verse 17 says the time will come when no man can do what? No man can buy or sell, save he that has the mark. Now just like when it says he would command or cause all to receive the mark, that implies global communication. There's something here also that is implied in this passage. No man can buy or sell, no man, during the final time, unless he has the mark. This also implies a very definite time period in Earth's history when, as a result of advancements in technology, it becomes possible to monitor and to control individual buying and selling on a worldwide scale. Do you see that implied in that text? The time will come when nobody can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That definitely implies technological advancements that make it possible to monitor and to control individual buying and selling on a worldwide scale. And I don't think it's difficult for all of us to see right now that we are in that time, are we not? We are in the time when, as a result of advanced technology, it is possible, it is possible to monitor and to control buying and selling on a worldwide scale. And that's the reason why Peter and Patty Lalande, in their book, On the Edge of Time, it says here, the final countdown has begun. Here's a quote from page 319 and 320 out of their book, and it says here, the technology is here which will allow the Antichrist, and we'll study more about the Antichrist in our seminar, which will allow him to control the entire global economy. And so because of two reasons, the Bible says he would cause all, that implies worldwide global communication, that no man can buy or sell, that implies technology which can control individual buying and selling. Because of those two reasons, it seems very clear to me that as a planet, 
Unlike in ancient history, that we are right now, in fact, racing very quickly toward the final time when the mark of the beast will be enforced. And this book, the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy will be fulfilled on a worldwide, worldwide scale. Now, because of these facts that are based upon the word of God, these clear facts that we see all around us in the time of communication, the time of technology, this amazing time that we are living in right now, because of this, there are Christians all over this country interdenominational we're talking about an interdenominational movement of bible believing christians from all denominations and they are sensing many of them deep in their souls that yes we are getting closer to the final time when these prophecies are going to be fulfilled now as i mentioned i don't know a lot of you out there i don't know what churches are here represented tonight but maybe i could just just hear an amen out of you if you believe that we are getting closer to the final time when prophecy is going to be fulfilled let me just hear an amen. Okay, praise the Lord, listen to that. Now, you know, we could multiply that. I have given seminars in front of large audiences in Russia, Canada, New Zealand, I just came back from Pakistan. As I mentioned, I spoke in front of 5,000 people three Friday nights ago. And it's a fact that all around the world, if I were to ask the same question to a group of Christians, how many of you believe in different denominations that we're getting closer to the final times and that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled and will be fulfilled shortly, just about every time you'll get a rousing amen, just like we just heard. And what this reveals is the fact that there is a tremendous interdenominational interest right now in the subject of Bible prophecy. It is big, it is great, and it is growing. What's happening is people are grabbing their Bibles, they're opening up, they're turning to Daniel, they're turning to Revelation, and they are trying to understand these prophecies. And I believe that's why you're here tonight. That's why as I look out, I see so many of you, uh, undoubtedly from many different churches because you're interested in prophecy. That's why you're here. People get a flyer in the mail like we sent out and they look at these subjects and they go, you know, I'd like to learn about these things. These are very interesting. They're interesting to me and they're interesting to you too. Now what's happening is because people open their Bibles and start reading prophecies, they start reading about the mark of the beast, they try to understand these issues. What's happening is a lot of questions are coming up in people's minds. Questions like, where does the mark of the beast fit in in the sequence of final events? People ask, they ask me questions about the rapture, about the tribulation, about the second coming, and where the mark fits in in the final sequence. Now, we don't have time to cover all of these subjects. This is only opening night during the first night, but we will get to this night by night by night as we try from the Bible to answer these big subjects, these big questions that people ask. People ask, well, when the Bible says the mark is going to be enforced in the right hand or in the forehead, what does this mean? that nobody can buy or sell unless he takes that mark right there and right there. What is the significance of this prophecy? They read this and they ask questions about it. And we're gonna study this in, in great detail during this seminar. What does this mean about the forehead and about the hand? People also ask questions about the beast. If you go back to verse 17, Revelation 13, 17 says that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the, and what's that next word? of the beast right people want to know about the subject of the beast who is who is this beast of bible prophecy what does this mean the book of revelation and the book of daniel talks about these subjects of beasts and these are actually symbols described in bible prophecy and we're going to be explaining these symbols we're going to be going into detail we have a whole meeting called the beast and the new world order that's going to be one of the hottest subjects some some nights i tell people to bring their seat belts as we get into this subject about the beast and the new world order. These are symbols, and we need to understand these things according to the scriptures. Now, if you keep on going, if you notice in verse 17, it also says that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the, and what's that next word? Or the number, right? The number of his name. Now, what is this, what is this number all about? If you go down to verse 18, it tells us a little more about this mysterious number. 1318, the Bible says, Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding, let him count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is, and what is it? It's 666, right? In the King James, it says 603 score and six, which is the old English way of saying a score is 20, three scores 60. So we have 666. I think just about everybody has heard of this mysterious number, 666. But you know, there's a lot of, people are trying to understand this prophecy these days. 
And this is raising a lot of questions in people's minds. There's a lot of ideas about what 666 is really all about. A friend of mine was once in a market. He was buying groceries. And as he went through the, the check stand, he was paying for his groceries. And the, the lady at the cash register rang it up. And she looked at how much it cost. And it came up $6.66. And she saw that, 666. And she looked at my friend. My friend looked at her. And she just went, 666. <gasps> And he looked at her and he said, wow. He said, do you know what that means? And her response was, she said, no, I don't, but I know it's bad. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it's bad. Well, she had no idea what it was. A lot of people don't know. In fact, there's a highway in New Mexico and that highway is called Highway 666. I just drove through New Mexico not long ago and I've heard that there's a whole lot of folks that they will never drive on that highway for the life of them. I mean, they'll go the long way around. <laughs> Whatever it takes, they don't want to go on that highway. 666, what is this mysterious number all about? We're going to be studying this in this seminar. Now, notice again, if you look at verse 18, there's one thing we can say from the 18th verse, and that is, the Bible says, here is, and what's that next word? Here is wisdom. It takes wisdom to understand this. And then it says, let him that has understanding count the number of the beast. So notice those words, wisdom and understanding. And this implies, first of all, like we talked about a little while ago, God does want us studying the book of Revelation. He does want us reading it. We can understand it. And here it says, if you have wisdom and if you have understanding, you can put these pieces together. This also implies that we need to separate fact from fiction. I don't think the highway in New Mexico, I don't think that's the mark of the beast. I don't think when my friend went through that market and saw 666 up there on the cash register, you know, that was not the mark of the beast, was it? We need wisdom, we need understanding in order to study this subject. We have a whole meeting and it's called The Real Truth About the Antichrist and we are going to be opening our Bibles, we're going to be studying this and I'm going to be sharing with you some absolutely shocking truths about the number 666 as we go into this in quite a bit of detail. But God does want us to understand it. He does want us to have wisdom. He's the one that gives wisdom. Amen? Amen. Wisdom comes from Him. And wisdom comes from the Bible, doesn't it? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As we study His book, He will give us wisdom and understanding as we study these subjects. Now, it's a sad fact. I mentioned a little while ago that the Bible is the world's best-selling book. More copies of this book printed than any other book that's ever been printed in the history of the world. And yet, just because the Bible's the best-selling book, there's approximately six Bibles in the average American home. Most people these days are not really reading their Bibles. They're not actually searching it to try to find out what it says. It reminds me of a story of two men that once got into a conversation and they started talking about religion. And the first man said to the second man, he said, what do you believe about religion? And the second man said, oh, that's easy. He said, I believe what my church believes. And then the first man said, okay, tell me more. He said, what does your church believe? And the second man said, oh, that's easy. He said, my church believes what I believe. <laughs> and then the first man was starting to wonder now a little bit more. And then he looked at the second man and he said, okay, tell me more. He said, what do you and your church believe? And then the second man thought about it and he said, oh, that's easy. He said, we both believe the same thing. <laughs> now, when the first man heard that, he thought to himself, I wonder if my friend really even knows what he believes. And it's, it's a sad fact that even though the Bible is in most American homes, six Bibles in the average American home, guess what book is the most widely read today? TV Guide, that's right, I heard it. It's TV Guide, that's right. I heard a poem once all about the Bible and how the two of them sit right there on the same, same table, but it's not the Bible, it's the TV Guide that most people are actually reading. In this seminar, we're not gonna be studying the TV Guide. I can promise you that. And we are going to be opening our Bibles and we are going to be searching its pages and studying very, very carefully to try to understand God's book and to understand these tremendous prophecies. The purpose of this seminar, this amazing Discoveries Bible Prophecy Seminar is number one, to learn our Bibles, to learn what the Word of God says. Number two, to understand prophecy, especially the prophecies about the beast, the mark of the beast, the battle of Armageddon, the return of Jesus, the 1,000 years, the rapture, many of these different subjects we'll be studying night after night. But the most important goal of this seminar, and I say this honestly and sincerely, the most important goal is to know Jesus Christ. 
because he is the one that really is the center. He is the heart of the book of Revelation. In fact, if you look at your Bible, and if you look at, at the end of verse 18, it mentions 666. Did you see that? 666 right there at the bottom. Now look at the very next sentence. When you go to chapter 14 and verse 1, notice what chapter 14 verse 1 says. The scripture says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. So notice this, right after 666 is mentioned at the end of chapter 13, at the very beginning of chapter 14, it mentions, John says, I looked and lo, there was a lamb. So 666 is on the one side and the lamb is on the other side. Now that is very significant. And we're gonna be studying more about this. When you study carefully the book of Revelation, and we're gonna do this more tonight, we make an amazing discovery. And that discovery is that the book of Revelation is by and large, it reveals, especially in the end times, it reveals a battle between the devil and the lamb. During the final times, it's the beast versus the lamb. The beast and his mark versus the lamb. And the lamb represents who? The lamb represents Jesus Christ, right? So it's the beast against the lamb who is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to show you some, some absolutely, I, I really feel they're, they're amazing discoveries. And we're going to look at these in just a few moments, that when you really study Revelation 13 very, very carefully, we discover that when we, not only do we have the beast on one side and the lamb representing Jesus on the other side, but as you study this, we will discover that the beast counterfeits the work of the lamb, especially at the end of time. Now this is a rather shocking discovery, but we will see it. We'll see it right inside of our Bibles. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Now let me just show you a little bit and then we'll read Revelation 13 verse two. This is one of the most basic truths of the New Testament. The New Testament teaches that when Jesus Christ died because he loves us, was buried, rose again, and he went to heaven, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews and other passages, Hebrews 12 verse two, that Jesus is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a very clear Bible passage that when Jesus went to heaven, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? That's a basic Bible truth that we find in scripture. Now notice Revelation 13, and let's take a look at verse two. Revelation 13 verse two talks about the beast. And the Bible says, and the beast which I saw, and we'll study about this on the beast in the new world order. The beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear. His mouth was as the mouth of a lion. And then the Bible says that the dragon gave him his power and his what? And his, that's right. The next word there is, and his seat and great authority. So just like the Bible says Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, Revelation 13 verse two tells us that the beast one day sits upon the seat of the dragon. Now this is just the beginning of a whole series of amazing parallels that we're gonna to discover tonight. Let's go to the thir third verse. Revelation 13, three. 13, three says, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Not only does the Bible teach that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but the Bible also teaches plainly that he died 2,000 years ago for us. He died because he loves us. He loves you and he loves me. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to this book. Amen? That's a basic, glorious Bible truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died and he rose. Now the verse that we just read in Revelation 13 verse three tells us that the beast also, the Bible says he would have a deadly wound, but his wound would be healed. A deadly wound and then a healing of that wound. In other words, there's a death and there's a resurrection that also takes place in the prophetic history of this beast. Jesus died and rose, the beast is wounded and there's a resurrection that also takes place. Now this is just the beginning. It also says again at the end of verse three that the whole world would eventually wonder after the beast. Now if you go to verse eight, Revelation 13, eight, talks about the beast versus the lamb. 13, eight says, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This is during the final, final moments of time. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the who? Of the lamb, right, the lamb is Jesus slain from the foundation of the world. So here again in this verse, we have two great 
sides revealed, don't we? On the one side, we have the beast. The Bible says the whole world is going to wonder after the beast. On the other side, we have the lamb. The world that wonders after the beast, their names are not written in the book of life of the lamb. So we have the beast on the one side, we have the lamb on the other side. And again, we're going to talk about this verse, especially when the whole world wonders after the beast. We'll talk about that. The meeting's called The Beast and the New World Order. Please don't miss that subject. That's going to be an absolutely shocking four-seatbelt subject. As we get right into the Bible, I'm not going to beat around the bush, but I'm going to just shoot straight, and I'm going to tell it like it is. And I think that's what you want, amen? You want me to tell you the truth, and that's what I'm going to do. Now, those of you that have studied Bible prophecy, you're probably aware of the fact that this beast is also referred to in Scripture as the Antichrist. How many of you knew that? How many of you are aware of that? Okay, lots of hands. The beast is also referred to as the Antichrist in Scripture. Now, the word Antichrist literally means against Christ, but it also means, literally, in the place of Christ. That's what Antichrist means. Against Christ, against Jesus, but it also means in the place of Christ. In other words, Antichrist also tries to counterfeit the work of Christ. Now let's keep going. After the Lamb, who is Jesus, died, was buried, rose again, went to heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, something else happened after that in Bible history. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Let's go back in our Bibles. Let's leave Revelation, go back to Acts chapter 2, and let's take a look at verse 4. Let's take a look at this. This is amazing. The Bible says that when Jesus went to heaven and, is, and sat upon the right hand of the Father, something happened in the second chapter of Acts. Let's actually start with verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The scripture says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. This was all the disciples 2,000 years ago. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And, they were, and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire. Notice that word, fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with who? With the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God. It says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is a very famous chapter. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, talks about when Jesus was in heaven, that the Holy Spirit came down. And this verse says, actually in verse 2, it says, there was a sound from heaven. Notice that word heaven. And then it says in verse 3, tongues like as a fire. Remember that word fire. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you continue to read the book of Acts, you find out that tremendous miracles were performed by the apostles in the name of Jesus Christ as they were filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit. That's what this is all about. So notice we have fire coming down from heaven and we have miracles taking place. Now let's go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. I'm drawing some parallels here. Parallels between the prophecies about the beast and the parallels of the life of Jesus and the history of the early church. This is actually amazing. This is truly worth, worth studying. Revelation chapter 13. If you look at verse 11, Revelation 13, 11 talks about a second beast, another beast. We read about the first beast, which we'll study about next Tuesday. Verse 11 says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time studying about this. We don't have time to do it right now. But notice, here's the second beast that comes up. Now, notice verse 13. Notice what he does. Verse 13 says, He doeth great wonders, so that he maketh, and what's that next word? He makes fire. Remember the word fire. Come down from where? down from heaven upon the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwell upon the earth by the means of those what? Miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. So here we have fire coming down from heaven and we have miracles to deceive. Now what's happening here as we put these pieces together? This is amazing, but let me just summarize what we have just studied. We've read about the first beast. He has a deadly wound. He rises. And he goes to sit upon the seat of the dragon, and then all will eventually worship him. And he is basically counterfeiting the work of Jesus Christ. And then we have, as we continue reading in Revelation 13, we have a second beast. And the second beast comes. Fire comes down from heaven through the second beast. He does miracles, and yet these miracles are for the purpose of deception. Now, what do you see happening here? As the first beast counterfeits the work of Jesus Christ, the second beast is doing what? He's counterfeiting the work of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what he's doing. Now there's more. As you continue to read this, it's amazing what we're about to find. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. I want to put some more pieces together. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the 18th verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the 18th verse. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, in other words, by faith, as we study the Bible, and we have faith in Jesus, we behold His glory. Notice it says, we are, and what's that next word? We're changed. We are changed into the same, and what's that next word? Image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, basically, what this verse is saying is, as we by faith think about Jesus and behold Jesus Christ, as we by faith behold Him, that power of the Holy Spirit that has come down from heaven, that power, as we look at Jesus, will begin to change our hearts, change our lives, and eventually form us into the image of Jesus so that we will have a character that is like Jesus Christ, a character of honesty, a character of truthfulness, a character of humility, a character of uprightness. That's what the Bible says right there in this verse, that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit, that changes us into the image of Jesus. Amen? That's exactly what the Bible says. Okay, now let's go back to Revelation 13. And all of these pieces are just going to come together. They're going to make a lot of sense, and the lights are going to go on, and for many of you, you're just going to go, wow, this is amazing. I've never seen this in my, in my Bible. I've, I'm learning something new tonight. Praise God. Revelation chapter 13. Notice verse 13 and 14. We just read part of these verses. The Bible talks about the second beast. He does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives them that dwell upon the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell upon the earth that they should make a what? That they should make an image, an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Now notice this word image. The true Holy Spirit who has come down from heaven where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, the true Holy Spirit changes our lives into the image of the Son, who is Christ. In the book of Revelation, what we have is we have a counterfeit, a counterfeit activity of the devil, counterfeiting the work of the Spirit. And what he does is he makes an image, not to Jesus Christ, but an image to the beast. The beast that is counterfeiting Christ in his work that is revealed in prophecy. Now we'll be studying more about the image of the beast later on in the seminar. Now let's go to Ephesians. Here's one final parallel. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And then I'm going to tie all this together. It's all going to make sense. Ephesians 4, verse 30. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit, what does He do for us, according to this verse? He seals us, doesn't He? He seals us to the day of redemption. In other words, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, true believers having faith in Christ, the result is the Holy Spirit comes into the life and He seals us, that we are God's children, that we're bound for glory, that we're going to heaven through the grace of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now let's go back to Revelation 13. And let's take a look again at the 16th verse. And let's put the pieces together. Revelation 13, 16. We started with this verse, beginning of our meeting tonight. After the second beast comes, and he brings fire from heaven and does miracles to deceive, counterfeiting the work of the Holy Spirit, and then he sets up an image of the first beast continuing to counterfeit the work of the Holy Spirit, then what happens in the very next verse? Verse 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. So after the fire, after the miracles, after the image, comes what else? Comes the mark. That's right, the mark of the beast. Now, this is really awesome. When you really think about it and let the Spirit of God guide your mind, and you put all these pieces together. Let me just summarize for you briefly what we have just covered. Jesus Christ is the true Lamb of God, isn't He? 
He's the one that loves us. He's our Savior. He loves us all. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is our Savior, and as proof of that love, He has come down here to this dark world. He has died on the cross for our sins, for all of our sins, and then He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen? Hallelujah. This is the, one of the greatest truths of the Bible. In fact, I think it is the greatest. It's the central, central core of Scripture. And now, Jesus, as our Savior, is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, at the right hand of power. As we've already read, Jesus has also sent. He has sent down here in the book of Acts and throughout history, throughout Christian history, He sends the power of the Holy Spirit, sent the, the Spirit like fire, came down from heaven, he did miracles in the book of Acts, and the Lord still does miracles today, doesn't He? God's not done with doing miracles today. And He does miracles in our lives also. When we believe in Jesus and trust Him by God's grace, the Spirit of God does a miracle and recreates us into the image of the Son of God. Little by little, step by step, He molds us into the character, the character of Jesus. And as we believe, as we've already studied, when we believe in Jesus, He seals us. The Spirit of God puts the stamp on us, and He says, this person, this person, this person, you're mine. You're my child, and you're bound for glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are the basic truths of the Bible. Now, the devil, and there is a real devil, isn't there? There's a real devil, and he hates these truths. Dwight L. Moody was once pre preaching, and he talked to a man after his sermon. D.L. Moody was preaching about the devil and Jesus, and this man walked up to him, and he said, Brother Moody said, I don't even believe in the devil. And Dwight looked at him, he was a great preacher many years ago, and Dwight L. Moody looked at him and he said, oh, you don't believe in the devil, do you? He said, he said, just resist him for a little while, and then you'll believe in him. You'll believe that he's real. He is real. The devil's very real. And the devil knows all about this, doesn't he? The devil knows about Jesus, that he came down here, he died, he rose, he went to heaven, he sent the Spirit to do miracles, to make us into his image, and to seal us with the seal. The devil knows that. And it's an amazing discovery to realize that the book of Revelation reveals that the devil is working and will work to counterfeit the work of God. And that's what the book of Revelation is telling us. Revelation describes a beast who has a deadly wound and yet has a resurrection. His wound is healed. And the whole world eventually wonders after him and he sits upon the seat, the seat of the dragon. And then Revelation talks about a second beast in Revelation 13, 11, and this second beast brings down fire from heaven, counterfeiting the work of the Spirit. It does miracles to deceive, and eventually he sets up an image, once again counter counterfeiting the work of the Holy Spirit. And after the image is set up, the very next event in Revelation 13, verse 16, is what the Bible calls the mark of the beast. Now, if you put all the pieces together, what is this basically telling us? What it's saying to us is that the mark of the beast in its context is ultimately the devil's final seal upon human beings, stamping them with his mark that they are his and that they're not going to heaven. The mark of the beast is the devil's seal, that this person has rejected Jesus Christ and this person belongs to Satan. And that's shocking, isn't it? But in its whole context, that's what this is really telling us. And so in, in its final analysis, the mark of the beast is much bigger than global communication, although it will involve that. And it's even bigger than technology, although it will involve that. The control of buying and selling. Ultimately, the mark of the beast in its final analysis, and we're going to study this more in the seminar as we go along. In fact, we have a whole night later on covering a lot more details about this subject. The mark of the beast is ultimately a spiritual issue. As Peter and Patty Lalande bring out in their book on page 267, their book, The Edge of Time, it says here, to have the mark of the beast will ultimately be a spiritual decision that people will be making in their lives. It's a spiritual issue. Here's another quotation, page 298, and I agree with this 100%. It says here that when people accept this mark, this is from their chapter on the mark of the beast, at the same time they are telling God that they, in a final act of human defiance, that they are choosing freely to reject him and his son. That's ultimately what the issue of the mark of the beast is all about. 
It's a worldwide issue at the end of time that reveals the fact that the majority of the world has rejected God and Jesus Christ and has chosen the devil. That is really what the whole context reveals. And this is what the book of Revelation is trying to tell us. And so the bottom line, if we just summarize it all and bring this point home, because God wants us to learn lessons from this, this prophecy, the bottom line is those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. And when's the best time to believe in the Lord? Best time to believe in Jesus is when? Right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We don't know, in fact, we don't know if we go to bed tonight that we're even gonna get up in the morning. Did you know a lot of people die in their sleep? Many people go to bed at night and they never wake up. The best time to believe in Jesus is right now. Today is the day of salvation. And what the scripture is really showing us is that those who do not believe in Jesus, who push him out of their lives, who are not changed into his image, which is the result of true faith. True faith in Christ will change us by the power of the Holy Spirit into the image of the character of God. Step by step, point by point. And those who are not being changed into his image, those who are not sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, who are not stamped by God saying, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. Those people will ultimately, in the final time, during that final time of prophecy, they will most likely end up following the beast, following the image of the beast, and receiving the mark of the beast, showing that they are on the devil's side and they've rejected Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation draws a line, doesn't it? It shows us two sides, and ultimately it shows us that the most important thing that we can do in life is right now to believe in Jesus, to accept his love into our hearts, to get to know the Lord. Amen? That's the most important thing that we, can, that we can possibly do. And it's my conviction that we need to know Jesus before that final time comes. We need to know the Word, and it's a, it's a tremendous thing to understand Bible prophecy the way God wants us to. Our next four subjects are, are actually life and death subjects. Tomorrow night, the meeting is called On the Eve of the End. I'm going to give you, I gave you two reasons tonight, I'm going to give you ten tomorrow. Ten more reasons why we are very, very close to the final times before the end of the world. That's tomorrow night. Monday night from Hollywood to heaven, I'll share my story, how I became a Christian, and the purpose of this is ultimately to try to lead all of us closer to the Lamb, closer to His love, and to what He really did for us on the cross, and how He can save us by His grace. Next meeting is called The Beast and the New World Order. We'll be studying in great detail all about who this, who or what, this mysterious beast is in the book of Revelation. And then we'll be studying the real truth about the Antichrist, going into more detail in the Word of God, trying to, trying to find wisdom, trying to find understanding, so we can put these pieces together and know what really is the Lord trying to tell His children in the time in which we are living in. In future nights, we'll be studying about the rapture, the seven years, Battle of Armageddon, the thousand years, and many other subjects about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Our last text tonight is Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Revelation 22, 16. And then I'm going to tell you a story. Revelation 22, verse 16. The Bible says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the what? in the churches. So here's the last chapter of the book of Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, where Jesus talks to us and Jesus says, I am giving this book to you, to those that are in the churches. And that reveals the book of Revelation is for Christians. Amen? It's for you and it is for me. I heard a story once about a little girl that was once lost in London. London is a city full of subways. If you've ever been there, underneath the ground there's a marvelous subway system. There's one particular subway station called the Charing Cross. They call it the Charing Cross because there's a cross there. And that cross serves as a, a reference point for travelers as they travel around London. Well, I heard about a little girl once. She was about five years old and she was lost in London. She couldn't find her way home, so she finally sat down on a street corner. She started to cry. And as she just cried and cried, eventually a policeman was walking by on the beat and he saw this little girl and he walked over to her and he said, little girl, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And the little girl looked up at the man and she said, Mr. Policeman, I'm crying because I'm lost. I'm lost. And so he said to her, he said, little girl, I'll, I'll take you home. Just tell me where you live. And she looked up and she was crying and she said, I don't know. I don't remember where I live. 
And so the policeman looked at her and he said, okay, if you don't remember exactly where you live, just, just tell me the address and I'll put you in my car and I'll take you there. And the little girl looked and she said, I'm sorry, Mr. Policeman. And she was crying and she said, I don't even remember my address. So the man looked at her and he, he said, okay, well, just tell me your phone number. Just give me your phone number and I'll, I'll call your parents and they'll come and pick you up. And the little girl looked at him and she was frustrated and she said, Mr. Policeman, I'm sorry, but I don't even know my phone number. And so the policeman was getting frustrated and he thought, well, what do you know? You don't know your address. Do you know your street? No. Do you know your phone number? No. What do you know? How can I take you home? He was about to pick her up and take her down to the station. Finally, he looked at her and he said, little girl, what do you know? How can I help you? And the little girl finally looked up at him and her tears were streaming down her cheeks. And then all of a sudden her eyes lit up and the tears stopped falling. And she looked at him and she said, I know, Mr. Policeman, I know. She said, if you can just take me, take me to the cross. She remembered that subway station, that Charing Cross. She said, if you can just take me to the cross, I can find my way home from there. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want to tell you that the whole purpose of this seminar, the whole reason why, the reason why we're going to be studying our Bibles is to find our way home through Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose. We can find our way home through the cross. That's what this is all about. We don't want to follow the beast. We don't want to be here during the final times on the wrong side, amen? We don't want to be following the image of the beast. We don't want to get the mark of the beast. We want to follow Jesus Christ who loves us, who died for us, who rose for us, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, who has sent the Holy Spirit, who's moving upon our hearts, who wants us to have faith in God, who wants to mold us into His image and seal us with His seal that we're going to heaven, we're going home to glory. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever your problems, whatever your struggles, whatever church you're from, whatever denomination, I want you to know that we can all find our way home through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is the truth of this holy book. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support and may God richly bless your day.